it's Labor Day weekend, it's time for a rest, and that was kind of lackluster. I'll get away from the back row back there, all right, good deal. I'm glad to see y'all today. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord together. i got to tell you something. Um, the Lord's doing some great things in our church, and I'm just really, really excited about And I, I hope you're aware. I hope you see things that God's doing uh, in our midst. Um, I text people each week, and how can I pray for you? And, and just to kind of have some of that interface with them and to see individually um, how God's working in lives, how He's working in the life of our church. Um, it, i got to tell you, it gets me out of bed every morning. I just bounce out of bed because I'm just so excited to see how God's working in our midst. Um, so I'm glad you're here today. I've been looking forward to this day since last Sunday morning was over, frankly. Um, if you're visiting with us, welcome. We're so glad you're here. There's a couple of ways you can connect with us. Easiest ways, if you take out your phone, open the camera app, scan that little scanner thing in the bottom left, it'll take you to an online digital connection card. If you're visiting with us online, you can actually look in the description of the video. There's a link there. You can fill that out online as well. Uh, a few announcements. Uh, first of all, uh, tonight um, there will be... Uh, Barbara's gone, so I'm not sure the ladies' Bible study is going to meet. Barbara and Roddy had to make a quick trip out of town. So I'm not sure the ladies' bi- uh, prayer group, prayer group, I meant to say, will meet. Choir, choir practice will be tonight at 530 and then we'll have a baptism service out of the McNeely's tonight. Addie Buffy is going to be baptized. If you're not aware, um, our baptistry is kaput right now. Uh, so we uh, needed to find a, another way to do it. So we're going out to the McNeely's tonight. I want to remind you, it does not matter where you are baptized. But it does matter with whom the baptism takes place. Baptism happens in the context of church. I firmly believe that. And so the reason I bring that up is because we need you to come tonight. Okay, If you don't normally come on a Sunday night, this is a special time for Addie. And it, it's always a great time for our church to see um, one of our own uh, be accept Christ as Savior and Lord and be baptized. So please come tonight. Marcia said that there will be a few light refreshments out there. Uh, but just come and fellowship. And that will be at 6.30 tonight. Also, our Wednesday night, uh, fall, uh, normal fall schedule begins this coming Wednesday. So we'll have a meal in the fellowship hall at 545. Then the kids are going through the Pilgrim's Progress, a curriculum uh, that's going to encourage them and and lead them to read all the way through a kid's version of the Pilgrim's Progress, connect it to Scripture, and uh, they're going to get a real understanding of uh, at least from a story form, and then connecting it to Scripture, uh, what, what Christian life is like uh, from conversion to the time you get to see your Savior face-to-face. Uh, also, there's going to be a ladies' Bible study, a women's Bible study at 6.15, and then youth will kick off at 6.15, and then prayer meeting will be in here as usual at 6.30. Um, I want to remind you about the Arctic Barnabas boxes. If you haven't uh, had a chance to grab some things and put them in the box, the list is on the wall out there. You can grab those and put them in the box. They'll ship uh, the boxes around September 15th. Um, one couple final things you might have noticed out in the foyer on the credenza. That's a fancy word for a shelf or a hutch or whatever. But anyway, it's out there, and it's uh, some information about a community prayer walk. It'll be next Sunday morning, Saturday morning, from 7.30 to 9.30. And if you're interested in being a part of that, there is information outside uh, in the foyer. Um, Also, uh, Cherokee Home for Children, um, they are having a fall event that they call Man Up. 
and uh, they'll have some speakers. Um, they'll have some booths where they teach a number of different skills. Um, and uh, then they're also going to raffle off a couple of guns. I didn't get an amen out of that. I thought I would. They're raffling off a, n- a couple of guns. And if you're interested in going, uh, if you're interested in being in the raffle, you have to be present to win. Um, but if you're interested, I'll put this out in the foyer. Um, and uh, I think it has information on there about how you can RSVP. Any other announcements before we have our call to worship? All right. Well, I would like to read this morning from Psalm 32. Psalm 32 is a psalm of David, and it says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are, in a, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Let's stand and shout and sing to our Lord this morning. This is a new song I'm going to teach you this morning.
Let's stand together. Jesus is strong and kind, isn't he? I'm glad that he's both, because if he were strong and not kind, we would get what we deserve. But because he's kind and merciful, we don't get what we deserve. We get what he gives us. Let's sing this song together.
So we sing this this morning, and I think sometimes we take this so for granted. And the world tries to make it about the church against the world, and the church judging the world, and the world just trying to be who they are. When in reality is we serve a holy, risen, mighty God who requires holiness. And the only holiness that we could find was through Jesus Christ. And so we hurt for a dying world around us, and we want them so badly to know this God that we serve. But I think sometimes we get fixed on our strength in that battle and not God's. When in reality, our only hope is this name right here. Let's sing this one more time. pleases you. In the name of Jesus Christ alone we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I hope I wasn't the only one who enjoyed that worship. I know that uh, worship is about God, but it should satisfy our souls to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And James, Denise, Brooke, thank you so much. Kiddos, didn't they do a wonderful job? Isn't that just a precious song? I don't know, maybe that'll sneak its way in on Sunday sometime. It's, did, did you find yourself singing it before you got to the end? It was such a simple song. It's not just a kid's song. Man, that's an adult song. If you would, please take your copy of God's Word, turn to the book of Romans chapter 3. You might be thinking, Brother Shannon, did you print this up wrong? No, we're going to be in Romans chapter 3 one more time. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 31. If you didn't bring a Bible, turn to, find a hardback black one somewhere around you. Turn to the back, find page 121, and you will be at Romans chapter 3. We're in a sermon series called Getting Saved. And the title of this morning's message is God Declares Us Righteous. So if you would please stand as the word of God is read. Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 31. And this is God's word. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier 
of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do then we overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, these, these again, these verses uh, contain some of the most amazing and glorious and, and hopeful truth uh, to know that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one can come to the Father except through Him and through Christ. You have done all that is needed to make sinners right with you. I pray if there are any here today that don't know you as Savior and Lord, that today you would, that you would touch their heart, uh, that, that you would cause a spark of life to come to life, and that they would understand their need for Jesus, that they'd be reborn, they'd put their faith and trust in the justifying righteousness of Christ, and that they would be saved. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We are currently in a sermon series, like I just said. It's called Getting Saved. And our series really is asking this question. It's dealing with this question. How does someone get saved? Which really is to ask, how is a person made right with God? Well, if we ask that question, then we can assume that as the Bible clearly states, if a person needs to be made right with God, then then it must be true that a person is in the wrong with God. And so how is a person in the wrong with God? Well, we spent quite a, I think we spent about seven weeks talking about getting lost and why a person is not right with God. But I simply want to talk about, um, focus in on, on one particular area of how lost people, sinners, are wrong with God. And it has to do with disobedience. I recall... Where it all started with us getting lost, we got lost because of Adam. Adam was our head. He was our representative. And he sinned. And he fell short of the glory of God. Had Adam obeyed, then it stands to reason that he would have experienced something more. He was sinless, but he was not fully glorified. Had he, been, had he obeyed, then there would have been a glory that would be due to him um, on account of his obedience. But Adam sinned and he fell short of the glory of God. And so his failure as our representative became our failure. So one reason we are wrong with God is because we have inherited disobedience. Adam's disobedience was our disobedience. There's a different disobedience. There's... There's an inherited disobedience, and then there is an inherent disobedience. In other words, we personally disobey. So we could say it one way with respect to Adam. All were born in sin and fall short of the glory of God. But we can also say, because each of us, we have sinned, we can say all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we are wrong with God out of inherited disobedience and and out of the inherent disobedience 
that is part of being a fallen person in a fallen world. So that, again, we have to ask the question, so how is a person in the wrong with God, a sinner, how is a sinner made right with God? Well, here's the central focus of this morning's text. This is the truth. To be made right with God, sinners must have the righteousness of God. To be made right with God, sinners must have the righteousness of God. One pastor wrote a book called Crucified, the Soul of the Gospel. Name's Emilio Ramos. And he says this, God wants His own righteousness in sinners. God wants His own righteousness in sinners. Paul recognized this in Philippians 3, 8 and 9. He says... That I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends upon faith. So to be made righteous with God, sinners must have the righteousness of God. God wants His own righteousness in sinners. Nothing less will do. So I think we ought to define a term. When we say righteousness of God, what is it exactly we're talking about? Because we understand what's wrong with sinners before God is, is disobedience. It's inherited and it's inherent. Then what makes us right with God must then be obedience. So the righteousness of God stresses obedience. It's not a blind obedience. It's an obedience to God's law. So obedience demonstrates that justification is about righteousness that results from obedience. We're in the wrong because of disobedience. And we're made right through obedience. But again, it's not blind blind obedience. It's obedience to God's law. Now, I believe what Paul is referring to here when he says law, that first um, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. And in the ESV, it's a lowercase l. What I believe he's referring to there is two things. And it really depended in one way um, on whether or not you were Jew or Gentile. If you were a Jew, as a human being, you had God's law written on your heart in terms of moral law. But then they also had Mosaic law. So not only did they have to follow the moral law, they also had to follow the Mosaic law. But the problem is they didn't follow it the way that they were supposed to follow it. That's why Jesus said, you have heard it said, da-da-da-da-da, you shall not commit adultery, which that's the letter of the law. But the spirit of the law includes the moral law. That you will not lust after a woman in your heart and commit adultery. Um, in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 12, it says, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. So listen here. Verse 14, For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. So he's saying there, They know what right and wrong is. Verse 15, They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting of thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Now all of that to say, 
Paul is saying, Jew or Gentile, you have no excuse. It's obedience to God's law. Whether it's the moral law written on your heart and you're a Gentile, or if you're a Jew and it's the moral and the Mosaic law. This is what obedience is to be. Uh, this is how obedience is guided. So what kind of obedience does God expect in order to have His righteousness? Well, the first one, the first qualification is that it is perfect. God expects perfect obedience. James chapter 2, verse 10. James writes, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in just one point has become guilty of all of it. It's an all or none proposition. When Joshua brought the people of God across the Jordan and prepared them to go into the promised land, he told them, Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so that you will be careful to do all that is written in it. And again, in in talking about perfection, it's not just the letter of the law, it's the spirit of the law. I obeyed my mom or my dad, but I stomped down the hallway when I did it. That's not the kind of obedience God is looking for. The next type of obedience, the, the next descriptive, uh, the way we could describe the obedience God's want, God wants is that it is loving. Deuteronomy 6.5, very important scripture to the Jews of old, said, You shall love the Lord your God. So God expects perfect, loving and wholehearted obedience. I didn't finish Deuteronomy 6.5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. We just sang about that. It was the first song of our worship time together. God wants perfect, loving, wholehearted, selfless obedience to His law. Leviticus 19.18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Finally, obedience to God's law must be God-glorifying. That's what God expects. Numerous times in Exodus and Leviticus, God makes this statement. I am the Lord. So when you read Leviticus 19.18, it says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That is to say, I am the one who authoritatively tells you to do this. But secondly, I am the one who is to be glorified through your obedience. So God's obedience, He expects it to honor Him because what is the reason we were created? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So if, as Romans 2.13 says, it's not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but doers of the law who will be justified. Then it stands to reason that if we do the law in a perfect, loving, wholehearted, selfless, God-honoring way, then this says the doers of the law will be justified. Here's the problem. Paul says in Romans 3 verse 20, For by the works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. What Paul is saying there, he says in verse 21 that the righteousness of God has been revealed apart from the law, but it's important for us to remember that the righteousness of God was also revealed in and through the law. But here's the problem. Sinners cannot attain to it because of their radical moral corruption. So if a person 
as Romans 2.13 says, can be made right with God through the righteousness of God according to the law. And Romans 3.20 says no one's going to be made righteous because it just brings up knowledge of sin. Then do you see here we're doomed. If it's all on us and our obedience that we're going to give perfect, loving, selfless, wholehearted, God-glorifying obedience to God's law, it's up to us, we're doomed. We're utterly doomed. That is why, look again at the Bible, at your scriptures, verse 21. That's why Paul says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Now in saying this, I believe what Paul's getting at is that when when God manifested His righteousness apart from the law, it was to reveal that it was never God's intention for the sinner to achieve the righteousness of God through obedient law-keeping. The righteousness of God was in the law. It was achievable if you could do it, but, but we can't. So is there another way that a sinner can have the righteousness of God? Yes, apart from the law. I'm going, to, I'm going to make a point here. I've said that it's never God's intention for the sinner to be to achieve the righteousness of God through obedient law keeping. Case in point, Abraham. It says in Genesis 15, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, was that before the law or after the law? It was before. It's always been about faith. If you, I don't really have time to make a long case for... Uh, proving the point of why I believe the Bible teaches it was never God's intention for the sinner to achieve righteousness through obedient law-keeping, you can read Romans 4 and 5. If you're a note-taker, write this down. Romans chapter 4 and 5. Galatians 2 through 5. That's a lot, you know, four chapters. And then Hebrews 11. But I do want to direct you to Romans chapter 9. If you would, turn to Romans chapter 9. Looking at verse 30, and I'll read down through chapter 10, verse 4. Paul says, What then what shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, who pursued a law that wouldn't would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it. By faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Listen to this. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So it's a righteousness that God has revealed that is apart from the law. However, look again at verse 21. It says, Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, In other words, Paul is saying the Old Testament as a whole pointed to the righteousness of God available to the sinner by faith. It was faith in Christ. 
It wasn't faith in our own personal ability to be an obedient law keeper. It was faith that God would send an obedient law keeper who would keep the law in our stead. That's why verse 22, Paul says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Verse 23, For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, Jew and Gentile, have sinned. All, Jew and Gentile, have fallen short of the glory of God. They have failed to attain to the glorious life God has for them. That's why there must be a righteousness of God apart from the law. Paul continues in verse 24, And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Through, whom the redemp- through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. We are justified apart from the law. To be justified simply means to be declared righteous from a legal standpoint. It's to be declared not guilty. So the righteousness of God that's manifested It's a justifying righteousness. It's a redeeming righteousness. It's a righteousness that saves us from uh, the, the wrath of God. Now in this section, I want to take just a minute. You might have noticed that in verse 21 and 22, there's the phrase, the righteousness of God. But then in verse 25, it says, this was to show God's righteousness... And then in verse 26, it says it was to show His righteousness. So there's righteousness of God and God's righteousness. There, there is a difference. And I just want to make sure we understand that because that's crucial to what Paul is saying here in his argument. When he says righteousness of God, what he is talking about is God's saving righteousness. So what does that mean? The kind of saving righteousness, the righteousness that can save the sinner... Is from Christ. It's Christ's perfect, loving, wholehearted, selfless, God-glorifying obedience to the law. And when that righteousness is imputed to the one who believes in Jesus, then they are saved. They are justified. So Paul says, and I'm going to read verses 27 and 28 and then verse 31. Then what becomes of our boasting? I'm going to stop there. What are people boasting about? You go back to chapter 2, verse 17, and Paul says, and he's, he's, being, he's holding up the mirror of God's righteous standard to the Jews, and he says, If you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know His will and approve what is excellent because you're instructed from the law, and he goes on to say, verse 21, You then who teach others, do you not teach yourselves? Do you preach against stealing? And steal? Do you commit? Uh, you, you say you shouldn't commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? In other words, he's saying the boasting that the Jews had done with the law, it had done them no good because they couldn't keep the law. However, that's why Paul says, well, what becomes of our boasting? Because Paul is a Jew. What does this matter about boasting? It's important that we do boast in the law, and it's for this reason. If Jesus did not obey, God's righteous law, then what is the basis of our obedience? That's why he says in verse 31, when we place our faith in Christ, 
His perfect, loving, wholehearted, selfless, God-glorifying obedience to God's law in all of its stipulations. Paul says, do we overthrow the law by this faith? And he says, no. By no means is the strongest negative uh, statement in Greek. He's saying, heck no, but with the stronger word. He is really saying, this is, we don't throw away the law just because now you're saved by grace through faith. You're saved by grace through faith in the fact that Christ kept the law. So we uphold the law by faith. That's why it's so important. I kind of skip forward to um, a second part. The second way we understand God's righteousness in this text is, is when it's described as God's righteousness, it's His judging righteousness. His judging righteousness. Which, you pick up in the end of verse 25... Paul puts his finger on something. He says this, and talking about Christ being a propitiation by his blood, he says this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. So it looked, it gave the appearance as if God's not a just God and his rules don't really apply. You can be saved by grace through faith, but obviously he doesn't really care about his rules. Paul says that's not true. He said it was to show his righteousness at the present time when Christ died on the cross that that God might be shown to be just, that he really does have a righteous law and he's going to punish those who break the law. And instead of us being punished, Christ was put on the cross and punished in our stead so that God's law could be upheld and him as a judge could be shown to be just. God vindicated His holiness and His justice at the cross so that He can be be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now I want to wrap back around to the initial statement I made at the beginning of service. To be made right with God, sinners must have the righteousness of God. So we must ask the question, how does a sinner come to have the righteousness of God? To be made right with God, sinners must be righteous by God. Uh, You might think, that's not a real word. But justify means to declare righteous. To be justified. When God righteouses a person, God imputes a righteousness to that person that is alien to that person. When God saved me, He imputed a righteousness to me that was not my own. It was the righteousness of Christ. And so when God imputes a righteousness to a sinner, it can't be a knockoff righteousness. It must be the real, genuine righteousness of God that's imputed to you. Otherwise, it will not save. So when God righteouses a sinner, He righteouses that person with the righteousness of Christ. It's perfect, loving, wholehearted, selfless, and God-glorifying obedience to God's law. Now when God righteouses a person, listen to this, When God righteouses a person, doesn't make that person morally good before God. Now, how many of us know that because we still struggle with sin? Sometimes we wish, God, I wish when you would have saved me, you would have made me perfect. That's coming. That's glorification. 
Being righteous by God doesn't make you morally good before God. We're still going to struggle with sin. Rather, being righteous by God with the righteousness of Christ makes you righteous before God under the law. And it upholds God's righteous standard for the law. And I want you to listen to this. It says in verse 22. I'm sorry, verse 24. And are justified by His grace as a gift. Verse 28. We hold that no one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Verse verse 30. God is the one who will justify. He's the one who will declare righteous. I want you to listen to this. When God imputes Christ's righteousness to you, He can legally declare you to be righteous without compromising His law. Do you understand that? That is why it is so important that we have a high view of Old Testament law. Because when Jesus kept it perfectly, selflessly, holy, lovingly, God-glorifyingly, He did it on our behalf. That we might have a righteousness imputed to us that would meet the high standard of God. Therefore, when it was imputed to us, God could look at us and not see unrighteous people, but see the righteousness of His own Son. And when He sees the righteousness of His own Son in a sinner made new, then He can say, that person is righteous. When you're justified, you're constituted righteousness. He imputes the righteousness of Christ to you, and He declares you righteous due to the fact that the imputed righteousness of Christ is yours. But we also have to remember that being righteous by God must not be at the expense of His justice. God, when He righteouses someone, He's got to satisfy His saving righteousness and His judging righteousness, which God does in the person and work of Jesus. So how does a person who is a sinner, how does that person get made right with God? They must be righteous with God. What do I have to do? What do I have to do in order to be righteous with God? Do I have to be a better person? I'll start being a better person tomorrow, and maybe after a little while, Jesus will he'll accept me. Are you ready for this? Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. To be made right with God, sinners must be righteous by God, through faith in Jesus. Four times, I may miscount, Paul refers to faith. Verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith. Verse 25, um, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Verse 26, it was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has Faith in Jesus. Verse 28. For we hold that no one is justified by faith. I'm sorry. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles only? Yes, of Gentiles also. Paul is making a point here. Whether a person has the Mosaic law or doesn't have the Mosaic law. The way they receive the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus. 
Verse 30, since God is one who will justify the circumcised, the Jew, by faith, and the uncircumcised through faith. To be made right with God, God must righteous you by faith in Jesus Christ. And when that is true about you, the psalm that I read this morning for the call to worship, it describes you. Verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Slate, white, clean. Whose sin is covered. Covered with the righteousness of Christ. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts some iniquity. A little bit of iniquity. No iniquity. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. That's why, friends, when Paul says in Romans 8.33, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? What's the answer to that question? No one. And he says why? It is God who justifies Brother Shannon, Satan tells me all the time about how bad I am and about how poorly I'm doing as a Christian. He throws my sin in my face over and over. Do you know when Satan... Because when it says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect, Satan can charge you all he wants to, but it does no good. His real problem is with the Lord. He's got to go to the Lord and say, Did you know that this week Shannon cussed out his wife? I didn't do that, by the way. Did you know this week Shannon cussed out his wife? Yes. And it also says in 1 John 1, 9, If we are faithful and just, I'm sorry, if if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Charge dismissed. Who can bring a charge against you? Satan may try to discourage you, but he can do nothing to dislodge you from the fact that there is a righteousness of God that is yours by faith in Jesus Christ. And when God looks at your account of righteousness, he sees the perfect, loving, selfless, wholehearted, God-glorifying obedience to God's law. And He loves you. And that's worthy of all praise and all glory. Father, we do praise You. We give You all praise and all glory. That those of us who belong to You, no charge can be leveled to our account. Yes, we may disappoint You and may, may need Your discipline, but there's no charge that will stick For Christ died for us and His righteousness is ours. Our very righteousness is seated at the right hand of God. What a glorious thought. Lord, if there are any here today that don't know You as Savior and Lord, I pray that they would be fully aware that they can be justified by faith today in Jesus Christ. That You're willing to justify them by grace through faith. They don't have to earn it. Lord, give them the courage to come forward today and receive what You want to give. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.
We're going to stand and sing, Give Us Clean Hands. If you need to make any sort of decision this morning, during this time, please come forward. That's, that's what I pray, that that song's the prayer of our hearts today, that we would uh, be true to the Lord who has saved us. Just a few announcements. Um, there's a guy on our prayer list by the name of Ben Campbell. Does anybody know Ben Campbell? Hey, Ben. Man, we're glad you're here. Blake is here. Glad to have you as well, Blake. Um, continue to pray for the Chris Wilson family um, and for Clark Griffin. I don't think he... It's getting any better. Continue to pray for Craig Smith. Um, let's see who else. Continue to pray for Gail Lake and my mother-in-law. Is there anything, any update you want to make? Okay. Um, you want to give an update on John Agave? Agave? John is uh, the one that, that uh, Mary Catherine's been working with to try to, um, I guess, train him and give more responsibility to him with uh, the Hope Factory. And he was hit by a car and broke both bones in his lower leg. Is that correct? Okay. And so um, pray for John that he recovers quickly. And um, she was saying that he's going to be living on the third floor of a place that doesn't have an elevator and no water and no electricity. So going to be some struggles for John. Please pray for him. Um, uh, Rodney Vogel passed away some of you may know Rodney Vogel but he passed away from COVID uh, this week so so pray for his family Um, 
Any, I may have skipped over some. Does anyone have a prayer request you need to bring up or an update you'd like to make? Um, could we play, pray for Eddie Valdez? Okay. That is Israel Valdez, yeah. but out at the home, it's his brother. And he's currently still in ICU. He's been in ICU for about a week with COVID. Okay. All right. Eddie Valdez. Eddie Valdez. Okay. Anyone else? All right. Well, let's stand and we'll have a time of prayer. And then we will be dismissed with a great commission. Let's pray. Father, we do praise you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Lift up our prayers to you. Uh, we've mentioned uh, those on our prayer list, a few of them, and you know what each of their needs are. Um, I do want to pray specifically for John Agave and for Eddie Valdez, Lord, that in each of their situations that you would meet their need in accordance with your will and in accordance with your riches and glory. We pray that you would bring healing. Father, I thank you for um, this group of people and for their uh, desire to come and worship you today. And Lord, I, I still pray if there are any here that don't know your Savior and Lord, that they would know that um, the invitation is always open to turn and place your faith and trust in Christ. It's in his name we pray these things. Amen. I want to remind you before we say the Great Commission, I hope to see you tonight out at the McNeely's. If you don't know where they live, just check with uh, Marcia and Larry, and uh, they'll make sure and get you out there. But want a lot of y'all to be there tonight for Addie's baptism. All right, the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.